Hello everyone, how are all my private eyes? TDR Memoirs and Murders is supported by Hupy and Abraham, the Midwest's largest personal injury law firm. Hupy and Abraham helps injured clients get the money they deserve and have collected over $1 billion for more than 70,000 satisfied clients. Hupy and Abraham will handle your case start to finish and has a win or it's free guarantee. To learn more or to receive a free consultation, call 800-800-5678 or visit hupy.com. Hello everyone, how are all my private eyes? So I noticed Rhode Island joined our listening list. East Greenwich, Rhode Island to be exact. So, of course, we have to welcome them in. Neighborhood Scout says the crime index is 71% out of 100 safe. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Violent crimes, 6. Property, 94. Um... Chances of becoming a victim of a violent crime is 1 in 2,385. Sounds pretty damn good to me. Population, 14,000. Crazy numbers compared to the United States. Chances of becoming a victim of a property crime, that's 1 in 52. A little more going on there. 6 burglaries, 70 thefts, and 18 motor vehicle thefts. So after researching Rhode Island, I did find one long ago serious, you know, offense in December 4th, 1987. The Supreme Court of Rhode Island, the state versus Brian Lyonberg, basically his roommate stated that he's seen him driving someone's car that obviously wasn't his, and neighbors of the deceased said that she lived alone and was in her 70s and when relatives arrived at the house discovered the deceased in a closet of the back bedroom according to the medical examiner she had bled to death from multiple stab wounds nothing in the house had been disturbed and there were no signs of forced entry the car, though, a 1981 two-door Blue Grand Prix with Rhode Island registration number was that belonged to this woman was missing out of the garage park, uh, and parked approximately 150 yards away from the house was 1971 Pontiac that was registered to Brian Ryanberg. The defendant's roommate, again, like I was saying, mentioned that he, he also testified against the defendant, saying that he's seen him driving that Grand Prix belonging to the deceased. It seems that later when the roommate had arrived to the apartment, he noticed that foods and clothes were gone and a sum of money was missing. Uh, He found that the defendant read everything I'll triple and send in the mail. He found this letter and also found the defendant's shotgun and shells there was a receipt for that the day before sitting on the Brian's dresser 
Relying on this information, the East Greenwich Police secured an arrest warrant and posted bulletin for a be on the lookout for Lionberg's arre- for Lionberg to be arrested. The National Crime Information Computer System. According to the record, the defendant had headed west uh, on a Friday, March 2nd, 1984, and he was driving on the Interstate 70 in Kansas. Hey, Kansas! <laughs> Lionberg stopped at a rest area, murdered a 43-year-old man, and took his wallet and gold wedding band. The following morning, Saturday, March 3rd, 1984, the defendant started out traveling further west on Interstate 70. Suddenly, the defendant turned the car around and traveled east. <laughs> At which point, Trooper Michael Hoover of the Kansas Highway Patrol noticed the grand, the blue Grand Prix speeding at way over the speed limit. Trooper had activated his flashing lights. The defendant responded by increasing his speed and approximately going 90 miles per hour over the speed limit. The chase then ensued for 24 miles. However, when informed by the dispatcher that the car was stolen and wanted in connection with a homicide, the trooper, with the assistance of other officers, was finally able to stop the car by firing two shotgun rounds into the tires. That's some real life movie shit. Haven't you heard like that doesn't really work? But I mean, shotgun, eh. You probably took the tire off is what happened. (laughs) Anyway... The defendant was arrested and given his Miranda rights, and the car was impounded. Subsequently, the investigation and search of the car provided evidence linking the defendant to the Kansas homicide and in the Rhode Island case as well. After further examination, Mary, the first woman in Rhode Island, uh, goods valued around $1,000 plus her car, definitely had been missing from her home um it talks about a lot of motions and trials and when it had happened the defendant motion for judgment of an acquittal on the charges of burglary and then but wanted larceny for lesser charge a lot of bullshit to be honest with you anyway Long story short, the defendant's first contendence at the trial, justice erred in denying the defendant's pretrial motion to suppress incriminating statements made to the Kansas and East Greenwich police. Second, he claims that the trial just erred in finding that the defendant knowingly, intelligently, and voluntarily waived his constitutional right under the totality of circumstances. Third, he claims that the trial justice erred in denying the defendant's motion to suppress incriminating statements on the grounds that his statements were induced by unreasonable delay in presenting him for arraignment. <laughs> Fourth, he claims that the su- 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 sorry, Superior Court Justice erred in denying the defendant's motion to dismiss, dismiss the indictment on the grounds that the state had violated provisions of an interstate agreement on Detainers Act by failing to bring the defendant to trial within 181 days. What else? What else do you got? Come on. Come on, sir. Just keep throwing it out there, right? To be honest with you, his arrest Saturday, March 3rd, 1984, the defendant asserts that that he invoked his rights to remain silent and speak with counsel after his arrest on Saturday morning. I'm sorry, sir. You were caught red-handed.
right, guys. So tonight's quote. The beginning is the most important part of work. Author, Plato. Thank you.